0: Welcome to the It's All About Relationships podcast. I'm your host, Justin Bird. This podcast is for people interested in making sustainable, qualitative relationships their objective. I want world peace, and I build world peace one world at a time, beginning with the relationship with self and extending outward to marriage and family, friends, community, and world, so if that's an objective you want to take up, come
1: along. Justin, you were talking to me about thresholds earlier, on how these different thresholds really impact human relationships. Can you tell me a little more about that? So the threshold
0: separates self from other, and or appears to. And um, punching through that threshold creates intimacy. So, in, in creating in creating connections with human with other people, building community, building intimacy, and I'm using the term intimacy to mean much more than you know sexual closeness. But in in building that intimacy, you're crossing thresholds in an exchange every exchange is a creative process where new life is created by the meeting of a need with the resource or solution it requires to sustain its life and every time um, a resource or a solution and a need pair up then new life is created and so the threshold prevents their meeting the need and the, the solution. The threshold Separates need from solution um, the threshold separates self from other the threshold separates the world from God the threshold is this this apparition between these two players in the formula of the grand design so however one applies the grand design or the formula of relationships there's going to be the presence of some kind of threshold that gives the appearance of a separation and Um, Each time a creative exchange occurs between two players, building a connection, new life is formed. And that's the goal.
1: More and more life. Better lived. So are you saying the threshold is imaginary? Not for those who believe that it's real. And threshold has an unlimited, it, it is a term that can encapsulate a whole lot of different things. And so one of those thresholds, I think what you told me about was fear. Is that, am I, I'm, was I understanding that correctly? Well, fear prevents one from crossing
0: over the threshold. Okay. All right. Definitely the crossover. In order to build a connection or to have a creative act, there has to be crossover that threshold. If we refer to the threshold as a veil, it would be passing through the veil. That has to happen for a connection between two parties to occur and new life to be the result. And so fear can prevent... A party from being willing to receive and fear can prevent a party from being willing to give. And it's in the giving and the receiving of the resources that the new life is created. So fear stifles people's desire and willingness to
1: receive and to give. And so. Fear prevents someone from sacrificing, and fear prevents someone from being vulnerable. Is that true? Yes, that's that's perfectly well put. So,
0: in order to create the connection and create new life, you need a receiver and a giver. The receiver is the one in need, and the giver is the one with the s- resource that that need requires. And anything that prevents the one in need from being in need or revealing the need, or anything that prevents the giver from giving the resource, maybe even the belief that they don't have a resource to give, um, as we discussed earlier. Anything that prevents the vulnerability of, that leads to receipt of resource, or anything that stifles sacrifice. So that's like a pride thing. Yeah, I would call that pride. Yeah, uh, pr- Pride, I think, ultimately stems from a desire to be better than. And in order to be better than another, for one to be better than another, there has to be a separation between the two. Whenever we're involved with power-sharing paradigms, and we're looking at win-win outcomes, the idea of more than, better than power over doesn't exist this is a this is a true state of equality um, where we where the desire to distinguish oneself as superior to other where that desire is gone the flow of resources meeting needs creating new life happens spontaneously that's our natural state of being pride um, comes in and says having my needs met is insufficient which is to- total crazy because the definition of su- have, you know, sufficient means that it is enough right it, it reaches its capacity and satisfies and and then one is content and happy and uh, when when having one's needs met which is by definition sufficient, becomes insufficient through um, an inflated sense of need or grabbing, grasping for more than what one needs for the purpose of distinguishing oneself as better than, bigger than, stronger than. And that is the reward. It's not the accrual of the resources the reward anymore. It's not getting your needs met anymore. That's the goal. It's the distinction of superiority. Mm -hmm. When that is in play, when that's active, that is always going to prevent people from sacrificing resources for the needs of others. Because the goal isn't to get my needs met and to meet the needs of others. The goal is for me to be better than others. And that prevents sacrifice. And, and I call it pride or ego. So oh, as long as there's that desire for a sense of superiority uh, in any way, it's going to stifle the flow of sacrifice and, and resources that humans need to sustain themselves. So doing away with pride definitely unclogs the flow and creates the communities um,
1: of sustainable living. Hmm. I would like to hear a, more of a description of what you think pride is and how it relates to this.
0: Okay, so, the origin of pride is the desire for superiority. Um, the opposite of that is the desire to meet needs and to meet, of self and the, to meet the needs of others. But the desire for a sense of superiority um, isn't focused on that goal of meeting needs. It's focused on the goal of creating some kind of evidence to support the belief of superiority, which doesn't in fact exist. So the way things really, in the way things really are, power is shared in the state of interdependence which is the state of all existence, and everything that's created is through an interdependent interplay. That, there's power sharing in that structure, in the grand design. And the idea of power over doesn't exist in that grand design. But in order for a, an, a, an individual to believe itself to be superior, it has to create um, a separation between self and other. It has to ignore the power-sharing principle and reality of the way things are. This inter this interconnected flow and exchange between need and resource that creates new life that has to be ignored, sort of set aside, summarily dismissed in in favor of um, the creation of a, an appearance of Better than, more than, more important than, uh, worth more than, bigger than. And so that's what the accumulation of resources, unshared resources is. It's the accrual of some kind of evidence of being better than, Mm. bigger than. Literally think of the accrual of resources being a pile of resources that gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you look at it and see, oh, see, I'm bigger than. I'm better than I have more of these resources. And and, and that feeding of that idea of superiority is both the motive of the accrual of resources that humans need to sustain their lives, and also the reason for not sharing it. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not real. It's not real. not to say that the accrual of temporal goods, like if you're gathering all the bananas and you make a big pile, you don't share with the village, you literally do have all the bananas, and <laughs> so not to say that you can't make actually make a pile of bananas, you can, but the idea that you are superior because you have the biggest pile of bananas, that that is illusion. That's not real. That's fake. You're not better than. You're not worth more than the people who... But I have more bananas. You do, you do have more bananas. And and when a child is born into the world, it has no resources. It will literally die if it doesn't get milk from the breast every you know, certain hours. And it doesn't have the ability to build its own shelter. And it doesn't have... So, this state of vulnerability, where you're living in a world with other people who are more interested in building up their big piles of resources to feed their ego complexes. You can suffer. I'm not saying there it doesn't create suffering. and I'm not saying there's not an immense amount of pain from it. When things come full circle, it, it it's seen as an illusion. Mm. It's interesting too because pride as a blockage point in the flow of creation, uh, in the grand design, it, it actually incentivizes stoppage both ways. Both as the a crew of resources um, and there's the person without the resources. It it says, it it tells the person in need, you're not really in need, you don't need others. Um, Nobody has anything that, that..." the whole idea of need um, pride combats because um, need is vulnerability and need is suffering. So. If you can just pretend like it's not really the state of affairs, then the idea is that you wouldn't suffer, right? So it's kind of the ignoring of suffering, the the, the painting over of the need, just sort of like pretending like that raw pain isn't there. I am a rock, I am an island, socially, emotionally, this is huge, but it's, you know, among men too, it's just going through life pretending like you don't have needs. that there aren't needs the whole purpose of all of that pursuit is to avoid the pain of being in need mm-hmm. that child position mm-hmm. when it comes in the world and it is nothing but need we all experience a great deal of pain coming through that portal uh, of birth and um, being brought into a world where there are so many people who can look need in the face and not be moved to meet it or to sacrifice for that need. Even good parents, in, to certain degrees and at certain times, will fail to meet the needs of children in really a- aggravating ways, really harmful ways. Wounds are inflicted through b- being a child, being totally vulnerable and in need. So we try to get away from it. Pride's, pride purports to be the solution in two ways. One, by eliminating need altogether and pretending it's not there. And two, um, feeding a, a superiority complex where um, you want to be designated as better than, stronger than, richer than so you hoard resources and you don't share and you don't
1: sacrifice so if I'm like say for example I, I make a certain amount of money okay. say 10000 a year and I compare myself to someone who has $100,000 a year. I might feel pretty bad about myself, but what does this tell us? What does this say? So so looking at that scenario and
0: saying this person with more is worth more than me, um, as a human, meaning like their spirit and soul, like their whole created form is um, worth less. I'm not talking about worth as in net worth. Monetary worth, but but as a created form, I'm worth less than someone who has 100 grand in their bank each year than me who has 10 grand in the bank. Anyone who looks at that and believes that is indulging in pride, and that's why it can affect people on both sides. Right? It can mm-hmm. affect the poor, the the one with less money. It can affect the one with more money, and it just the idea of superiority is at the root of separation
1: between self and other when you say that people when they have a a lot of money and people when they have less money they should think of themselves as equal yes and that would make it so peace abounds yes right yeah and
0: there's probably a lot of steps that need explanation between that and but, but yes, that's exactly right. The, the one in need, um, the one in need has to know his or her worth. Because it's in the knowledge of that worth that um, a different kind of, that, that, they, that they engage differently with the world. The beliefs that we have about our worth affect directly and significantly how we engage with the world. You know, at one point in life they may feel like they're less than others because of their poverty, but if they ever come into money they're gonna feel like they're better than others because of their wealth. And both beliefs are false. Both beliefs tend to dissolution in community ties. The building of bonds between neighbors are dissolved by this belief regardless of which side of the equation one sits on. It is the belief itself that tends
1: to dissolution. So we're speaking about a topic where people a lot of times feel inferior or superior and a lot of people get either upset or they go through emotional swings when they say get divorced, when they have a, they lost their car they get in an accident, they compare the houses that are in between, like, oh, this, my neighbor's house looks like this. My house looks like this. Oh, they have this possession, or, and I don't have that possession, or it's it's unending. So you you gotta you gotta think, this is a very pervasive topic, right? Oh yeah. Because a lot of people have this idea that world worldly wealth is is the only wealth that matters. Right,
0: and and it's the I would say it's the primary driver of most of our culture Mm -hmm. you know it's the keeping up with the Joneses it's and I would say most doing most activity the reason people get out of bed and do the things they do as adults most of that is driven to escape the sense of inferiority most doing is to accumulate more resources primarily in the form of wealth, in terms of money, um, because that's just kind of a common denominator for the resources that life requires to sustain itself. And and that's what the driver, that's the driver of most human activity is to get out of this sense of I'm less than, right? And it's it doesn't tend to good health it doesn't tend to good health, and I'm not just talking about physical health. It doesn't tend to good cultural health. It doesn't tend to good community health. It doesn't tend to good family health. It doesn't tend... Because it's it's not... It, this driver isn't interested in building community. The driver is interested in dividing community. Because again, it is only through the division that it can enjoy the appearance of better than. Power over... Requires a division between one party and another party in order to Indulge itself in the appearance in the appearance of superiority without that Divis without the divider between self and other Superiority is is a non-issue So if your goal is to feel superior Then you can't be about the work of building bonds between people building connections and building communities, let alone sustainable communities of well-being and, you know, driving happiness among all constituents. To the degree that you are seeking power over or a sense of superiority um, or or even fleeing a sense of inferiority, which is just a reflection of the other, um, both of those are drivers away from building sustainable healthy bonds between individuals and the cultivation of a thriving community or family or group.
1: Mm. So if we overcome this, we overcome a lot of things. Yeah, literally
0: it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's one or the other. Um, the overcoming of pride or the obtaining of humility, which really is the letting go of the superiority complex on both sides of the better than, less than equation. The letting go of that objective, yes, what the, the natural result of letting go of that is that, we, is that we find ourselves sliding into the natural flow of the grand design, which is a process um, incorporating self and other, through the exchanging of the resources that life requires to sustain itself. And yeah, where everyone's needs are getting met sustainably and fully in a community, that would, that is the result. It's the natural result of letting go of pride. So this could solve all societal problems. The letting go Mm -hmm. of the drive for better than, bigger than. Yes. That's the end game. Get enough cri- people in critical numbers to let go of that motive for long enough and sustainable, intimate communities where everyone thrives will be the result.
1: All right. So, so I... Let's do it. Yeah. I was reading a book and it said, our need is what prompts us to open up. If a need is ignored or denied through covering up, it cannot be met. Ignorance and denial of need stops life, which is kind of what we were talking about. Uh, Vulnerability and curiosity are the ultimate courage, conquering this damnation with the flow of discovery. When a need is exposed, many solutions rise naturally to the occasion. Solutions are stimulated into existence by the revelation of need. Needs do not appear to meet solutions. What can make it so people open up about their needs more? Like, is, is it anxiety? Is it depression? Or what, what is the, when, when they're feeling in, in the throes of travail, what can help them to uncover their needs so they can get these resources, or can get the resources so they can overcome these things? My experience is that
0: um, what builds the skill of becoming vulnerable, to reveal one's need, to enable the possibility of that need being met, to experience more created, new life in one's lived experience, the best, my experience with that is in having successful moments where the revelation of my need results in that need being met. And there are certain people with whom we engage where it's all a matter of percentages. So for every 10 or 100 times I reveal my need in vulnerability with individual A, that need will get met maybe 50 times. For every 100 times I do it with individual B, that need might get met 80 times. And with individual C, it might get met two times, right? So engaging with individuals who are skilled to meet those needs, and I'm talking now more about the intangible needs, such as uh, empathy, acknowledgement, assurance, um, Basically, every time we reveal a need and vulnerability, we, what we wanting is to, receive we want to be received compassionately. We want to be exposing that need in relationship with someone who cares about that need and who has discovered the natural joy of meeting other people's needs. We want to be in relationship with people who have discovered that it is joyful for them to meet needs and aren't expecting things in return, right? They've come, They've evolved out of the manipulation motivation for meeting needs, right? Which is to meet your need, because I'm going to remind you of that later and get something in return. And they have discovered that meeting needs is a joy in itself. They're, they're sort of, maybe they're um, a, a little bit addicted to the giver's glow. So we want to find these people. Um, um, and we want to solicit their involvement in our lives at all costs like we want to just clamor for a relationship with these people and we want to and we we also want to serve them we want to ourselves discover as much as we can the joy of service and the joy of sacrifice and of meeting people's needs because that's going to entice and allow people to stay in relationship with us sustainably over a long period of time right if we're just a black hole of, of sucking need and we are constantly taking from others but never giving back to others it's, it's going to be hard to build a community of support willing to revolve around you uh, sustainably. So it's a, it's a simultaneous thing though but I would say step one would be to be blessed with an experience of being vulnerable in the presence of someone who loves you. And you know for a lot of us that's God um, and for the rest of us, it's God's workers on earth, <laughs> whether acknowledged or not. I mean, I would even atheists who are getting their needs met are getting their needs met by angels. I don't care how they label that. So, <clears throat> I think a person has to start with having that experience, with getting their cup filled with a lot of these intangible resources. Which collectively we could just call love, and then from that point, um, develop a routine and a, a consistent and effective pattern of strategies for getting that need, those needs met again and again and again. And then over time, I think the natural byproduct of that process is wanting to share what you've been given because when one opens up in vulnerability, what one finds is that the universe is abundantly able and interested in meeting needs. And as one discovers that experientially, one realizes that that abundance can flow through you. And a natural urge, you know, stems forth to seek out the needs of others and meet those needs, because it was fun for you, and it was fun for your giver, and your givers giver, and your givers giver all the way up the chain, and so you want to just kind of be a part of that chain, and let those resources flow through you, and watch as other people who are in need get their needs met through
1: the gift of your of continued flow. A lot, of, a lot of these needs are emotional, and and so a lot of people think that they need these tangible things. They, they need the money, they need the car, they need the house, they need the wife, they need the kids. And you're, you're kind of saying that the emotional aspects of love, compassion, empathy need to come first. Well I think they're both necessary. Maslow's
0: hierarchy of needs I think is pretty accurate and um, the intangible resources that life requires to sustain itself and to thrive, um, that I think really are fed through community, through bond building between people, groups of people, families. That work really, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't really see. It's hard for that work to get done in dire temporal need. If people are struggling for physical safety, if they're struggling to get their needs met for food, for clean air, for for drinkable water, I really, th- I really do think that those basic temporal needs do need to be met. Um, in many cases, before the intangible resources, um, are you, like before before attention should be given to those intangibles, but but that's not it's not always the case. It's not like a perfectly linear sequence certainly there are people in great temporal need who greatly benefit um, through the intangible needs being met whether you call them emotional needs or spiritual needs the needs of support, the needs of empathy, the needs of compassionate presence of another Mm -hmm. person or deity and um, And yeah, I guess I would say that you know those, you know, there's there's finite ground to dig and to plant crops in and to grow tangible temporal resources and distribute them, but the intangible resources, I really don't think there's any limit to the amount of ground from which they can be cultivated and 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 then shared with others and delivered and given. Hmm. And I think that's a great starting point. Anyone in any temporal setting or situation can immediately begin to meet the intangible, to, to share in the intangible resources that the needs of those around them are begging for, dying for. Right? Anybody on planet Earth, wherever they find themselves, can look around and find someone in emotional dire need. There's so much heartache, there's so much tragedy going on ubiquitously, that you don't have to look far to find someone who could use some empathy, some encouragement, some assurance. You know, just go through the list of Marshall Rosenberg's needs. Um, A lot of them are going to be intangible, a lot of them are going to have to do with uh, community building, and, and you don't have to look far for long to find someone near you in desperate need for one of those intangible resources that are always available within each of us all the time.
1: Even before the tangible?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I would look back to children always as the model. Children are perfect at being vulnerable. They're perfect at revealing needs. And until adults teach them otherwise, I think they're perfect naturally at giving too. And sharing, power sharing, resource sharing. Yeah, kids are just... Are models for this celestialized community that you know we're hoping to build a new earth um, a sustainable community of well-being where everyone's needs are met children are the perfect models and children don't know that one child is richer or poorer than the other child children don't know that one skin color is better than another skin color children don't know any of the th- the the adult training in ego, and in pride, and in separation, and in better than power over... Children don't know any of that crap. Because it's not true. It's not the natural state into which we were born, and it, it, it can't be a part of the natural state to which we want to, in which we want to end up. The, the sustainable community of well-being, where everyone's needs are met sustainably in it, and people are happy. It it looks like childhood, and it is the natural result of the elimination of these stoppage points in the grand design. Like we had said earlier, as soon as the drive for superiority is eliminated, the natural result is power sharing Mm -hmm. and resource sharing, which means more needs met, which means more new life. More creativity, more abundance, better experiences for individuals and groups. Yeah. To learn more about a single universal pattern to all relationships, order my book, The Grand Design, available on Amazon. Click the link below. For regular support with your relationship goals, consider joining me in my monthly online group coaching program where you can ask questions and join in live calls by visiting the link below. Visit Relationship nur ein mut. I'm Justin Bird, wishing you the very best with your relationship sustainability.